Okay, so we're looking at Matthew chapter 12 tonight, carrying on from last week, Matthew chapter 12, and we'll we'll start in verse 22 for connection, Um, because it all leads on, really, it's all, all part of the same portion in Matthew's gospel. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 22. Then a demon oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to him. That's the Lord Jesus. And he healed him so that the man spoke and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, it is only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. Knowing their thoughts, he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they will be your judges." But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Therefore I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people. But the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person, out of his good treasure, brings forth good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. And trust God will bless the reading of his word this evening. Now... When I swapped with Phil, he's on afternoons this week, uh, I didn't realise that this was the passage I'd be getting. And there's always a bit of trepidation when you, you see the heading of the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Now, I just want to start out this evening by saying that this blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is a sin that we cannot commit. And I just want to lay that out now. If anything I say doesn't make that clear during what we say. I just want to lay that on the line now. This is something that we cannot commit now after we have been saved. But we'll look at the passage and hopefully that will come out from what we read this evening. Now, where we come to in our our passage, and I read those two verses that were in Phil's section last week because they kind of lead on to this. It's what uh, sets about this whole issue that gets brought up By the Lord. And we've had in the the chapters leading up to this, and as we've started to look at Matthew again, we've seen this, and we see the building, the momentum building 
of the rejection of the Lord Jesus. And the Pharisees, they seem to be everywhere he goes, questioning him, looking for fault in him, trying to find a way to get uh, to catch him out and to, uh, st- to trip him up. And we come this evening really to, to a head of this rejection that they show towards him. We had in chapter 10 the disciples being sent out by the Lord and he told them in verse 16 of chapter 10 that there would be persecution. And then in chapter 11 we had the denouncement of the unrepentant cities. We saw there that there were these cities that had seen the Lord and they were in a worse state than places like Sodom and Gomorrah who had been utterly destroyed because they'd seen the Lord themselves and had not repented and turned towards him. And then through chapter 12 already, we've seen his disciples be questioned for the the acts that they have done on the Sabbath by taking of the corn. And we see the Lord himself being questioned when he healed a man on the Sabbath day in the uh, passage leading up to this. And it got so bad that in verse 14 of chapter 12, says the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. And the real mood or feeling of the Pharisees at the moment was of this utter rejection towards the Lord Jesus. They didn't want to uh, see him for who he was. They didn't want to accept him for who he was. And they wanted rid of him. And he heals this demon-oppressed man in verse 22. And if we set the scene, we've just had as well the, the portion before this from verse 18 onwards where Matthew quotes Isaiah to show uh, the kind of man that the Messiah was to be. And uh, we thought about this recently in the servant songs that we looked at, how the the servant, the Lord Jesus, was to not be an all-conquering, all-powerful Messiah when he first comes, but he was to be meek, he was to be humble of spirit, he was to be a servant. And that wasn't what the Jews and the Pharisees especially were expecting. They were expecting somebody to come in and to steamroll the Romans out of the land and to give them their land back and to come through all conquering. And they, they had misunderstood these prophecies of the Messiah and this is what they were expecting. And what the Lord Jesus showed and what he did was very different in what they were expecting him to be. And so they're really looking for a way to get at him. And we have this demon-oppressed man who was blind and mute, and the Lord Jesus heals him. And he doesn't just heal him like we see today, like somebody, as we've seen around us, illness all around us at the moment. Somebody might uh, unfortunately catch COVID, and they might go to hospital, and then it might be a recovery. But it's not an instant thing. It takes time for these things to heal for us. But the Lord Jesus, he healed this man and immediately the man spoke and saw. There was no gradual recovery. And he showed his true power in being able to uh, release this demon-oppressed man of the demon that was within him. And it's important for us really, I think, sometimes it's something we shy away from. It's something we don't really think about too much, especially in our land where we live. We don't see much of this, really. But that is how how the devil does work. He does have these demons that do work for him. And there are other powers out there in the world that we are to be wary of. And they're not things that we should be uh, associated with or dabble in or, or look towards. But they are out there. And 
the Lord Jesus, he had the command over them. He was able to just uh, speak and dispel them and to send these uh, demons away and have power over them. Now, when he does this, the people, they're, they're amazed, it says in verse 23. And that word amazed there is one of constant amazement, one of just bewilderment at what they've seen. They're so amazed that, that they're constantly amazed by what they've seen. And they can see that what has happened before them is something supernatural, something powerful that has gone on before them. And they don't really have an explanation for it. And they ask themselves, can this be the son of David? That They're asking, that, can it be? Is it? Can it be the son of David? It's not what they were expecting of the Messiah in the way that Lord Jesus has come, but the power he'd shown, they're, they're really starting to think, can this be the son of David? And that phrase, the son of David, it comes from uh, 2 Samuel chapter 7, really, where um, it's promised to David that he will have uh, a son uh, on the throne forever. And then uh, down the years, it became a saying of the Jews that, the Messiah will be the son of David. And it become a, a phrase that was coined to really uh, talk about the Messiah himself. And so they're asking, is this the Messiah? Is this now the one that has come? And the Pharisees, again, they don't like this. Now, the Pharisees, they'd been following the Lord Jesus around everywhere. They didn't like him, but they were trying to keep an eye on him. And they tried to get amongst the crowd and to, to sow uh, the seed of doubt within those around them. Now, they're not actually, from what we can read, they're not within earshot of the Lord Jesus. They're not actually near where the Lord is. And we read, it says in verse 25, that knowing their thoughts, that's the Lord Jesus, knowing the thoughts of the Pharisees. So he's not near enough to be able to hear them. But the Pharisees, they're saying to the crowd, it's only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. And... That phrase, Beelzebul, um, in the Old Testament, uh, it's a reference to people who worship Baal, or what became to be known as the Lord of the Flies, was a kind of derogatory name they gave to uh, Baal worship, and it was then later adopted as a way of just talking about Satan and the devil and how, uh, and another name for him. And so what they're saying is that it's by the power of Satan, by the power of the devil, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. So they'd seen the power that had been shown by the Lord Jesus, and it's never in doubt that the Lord Jesus had this power. The Pharisees weren't questioning whether he actually did what he just did. There was no questioning what he'd done. They'd seen this demon-oppressed man, and now the demon was gone, the man was healed. That couldn't be questioned, and... You see some people in the world and they'll say, well, well, the Lord Jesus, he was, he was a good man. He did some good things and he had some good teachings. But they won't talk about the supernatural, the power that he had. But that was never questioned by the Pharisees. They knew he had the power. It was just where that power came from that they questioned. And they didn't want to believe that it came from God because they'd already gone against the Lord. So if this power was from God, then it would show that they themselves had gone against the Messiah himself. So they would do anything they could to prove that this wasn't the Messiah, that the power the Lord Jesus had wasn't from God, because otherwise they'd be stuck themselves because they'd already denied him and said that he wasn't who he claimed to be. 
And you can see some parallels, really, to how, where we live today. You see people today out there, and they, can't, they don't want to admit that they're answerable to God. They don't want to admit that God exists, that he's out there, and that they're answerable to him. So, no matter how ludicrous, they'll, they'll try and find any other way to prove that they don't need to be answerable to God. And that's why we see all these, these uh, theories about how the world was made and, and people trying to come up with another way to explain away who we are and where we came from. And it's all that same attitude of just not wanting to admit the truth, that they're answerable to God. But the Pharisees, they uh, blaspheme here against the Lord, but not just against the Lord, but against the works that he has done. Now, when we get to the start of the Lord's ministry, we see uh, it says in Mark chapter 1, when the Lord was baptised by John the Baptist, that he was sent away into the wilderness by the Spirit. He was sent away by the power of the Spirit. And the Lord, when he was on the earth, always worked in the power of the Spirit. And the power that he was portraying here was, was that power that could only come from God. And that's what the Pharisees were questioning. That's what they were saying was the work of the devil. This power that the Lord had used, that he had shown the power of the Holy Spirit, that is what they were blaspheming against. And that's when we later get on to why the Lord says what he says. But in verse 25, it says that he knows their thoughts. Again, another, another sign of his power. He knew it must have been a surprise to them when he, he came out and he addressed them because they would have thought probably that they were all right whispering behind his back to the crowd and stirring them up. But he comes out and he calls them out and says, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? So really, he just puts their whole argument to bed straight away. They said that his power was from Satan, but he's saying to them, look, these demons, they're from Satan. Why would he be casting out his own demons? And if we look in the world today, if you look at any time in history when there's been a civil war, where a country, country has been fighting against itself, you wouldn't look at that country and say, that's a strong country. And you look at these lands today that have lots of fighting going on within, you wouldn't look at them and say, well, that's a strong country or a strong kingdom. Because that just weakens it. If everybody's fighting against each other within the same kingdom, then that will weaken the kingdom. And that's what the Lord Jesus is saying here, that Satan's not going to fight against Satan because then that will make him weaker and he'd be divided and he wouldn't be as strong. So what they're saying doesn't make sense. It can't be from the power of Satan that he does this. And the only other option is that the power has come from God, from the Holy Spirit. And so he must be the son of God and he must be doing these things in the power of the spirit. And he goes on to say in verse 27, if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. Now, here, I think this is a reference to the Pharisees themselves. They had their own disciples, their own uh, Children or sons that they would call them. They would be called the, the disciples of the Pharisees and they would go around and uh, from uh, other books we, 
we can see this um, around the time that they're mentioned, and they would go about claiming to cast out demons uh, in the name of the Pharisees and, and following them. And they, they would claim that this was the power of God within them. And I think that's a reference to them here, because Lord Jesus is saying, I'm just doing what your disciples are claiming to be able to do. So if you're saying that I'm doing it in the power of the devil, then, then how do they do it? What are you saying to them? Judge by what, what you think they do, where you think my power comes from. And of course, they wouldn't say that their own disciples were using the power of uh, Satan and say it must be the power of God that they're seeing, witnessing before them now, even by their own standards. In verse 28, he says, But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And the Lord there is really just saying to them, Look, if this really is the Spirit of God that cast out demons, then then the kingdom has come, the kingdom is here. And of course, a kingdom is wherever a king is. And the Lord Jesus, he, he was there with them, displaying this power. So he's saying to them, look, the kingdom is here, right in front of you. It's come. And they're trying to just wash it away and say that it's the power of the devil instead. So he's just condemning them even more and showing their prejudice against him, that they're just so blind, they so don't want him to be the Messiah, that they're refusing to see what's right in front of them before their very eyes. And then he uses this example of a strong man's house. He says, Or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. Now, the example we have here, and, and you see this, I so you hear of people that say that when... Uh, when you get robbed or, where, or when something happens, it, like adrenaline takes over and you become, become stronger than, than you realise you are. And if someone was to come to my house and I heard them break in and um, they're saying that like, you, you become stronger, you get that strength. I know it's hard to imagine me getting stronger than I already am, but this could happen. And this is what the Lord Jesus is saying. He's saying that... Why, why would you plunder? What? He's saying that the devil is the one who, is in, who they're saying is there within that man. That, that man was demon-possessed. So, so the devil is within him. And he's showing that he's capable of overpowering the devil. He's able to overpower him and to bind him. And we know that to be true. And we know that there'll be a time coming in the future where he will completely bind him. And the devil will have no control anymore on this earth. He'll have no power on this earth at all because he'll be bound. And he's saying that even though he's trying to defend his own house, even though the devil was trying to defend his own uh, kingdom, his prince of the power of the air that he has while he's here on this land for a short time, even so, still the Lord can overcome that power that is there. And verse 30 goes on to say, Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Now, the first thing we notice here really from this verse is that there's no middle ground here. There's no sitting on the fence. There's no saying, well, well, I kind of I like to follow, follow you a bit, Lord, but, but sometimes uh, I might just go, and do something else. I'm, I'm not wholeheartedly going to go in for this. The Lord leaves no middle ground for the Pharisees here. They're saying, he's saying, you're either with me or you're against me. 
And they'd shown by their words and by what they said and what they did that they were well and truly against him, that they were not with him. And he says, whoever does not gather with me scatters. And they will be, be scattered abroad. And they will no longer have that power. And I think really that this, you'll see, you see the fulfilment of that in AD 70 when Jerusalem itself is completely destroyed and there's not a stone left uh, standing in the temple and the Jews are scattered everywhere and they're still scattered today because they'd rejected the Lord, the very one who'd come to be their Messiah and they put him on the cross. So then we come uh, to uh, the main two verses that that talk about uh, the blasphemy against Holy Spirit. Verse 31 says, Therefore, and as we always say, where there's a therefore, we've got to see what it's there for. And when we see a therefore, it always looks back to what's been previously said. And, and so the Lord's following on from what he's been saying. And he's been talking to the Pharisees. And so what he's saying now, he's saying to the Pharisees. He, after everything that's gone forward, that he's explained and shown that they had not accepted the power. They had had all the evidence that they could need to see that this was the Son of God, that this was the power of the Spirit of God working. They could see it was supernatural power. They didn't uh, question that, but they attributed the power of God to the devil. They'd seen everything before them. So it says, Therefore I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people. Now just that statement alone is amazing really. I mean... Uh, we all know how much we've been saved from and we all know how much we owe to God and, and how much the grace of God has been bestowed upon us. But to think that all blasphemy will be forgiven people and every sin is forgiven us, even if we, we blaspheme God and even if we carry on sinning, we're still forgiven people. And that is amazing that God does that for us. And then goes on to say, but... The blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Now, the Pharisees, they'd seen the power of the Spirit of God working right in front of them, and they had attributed that to the devil. And that was the blasphemy against the Spirit. Now, I believe as we live today, as we live in this world today, we don't see that power like they did there. We don't see that happen. We, when the Lord is not here in person now, performing these signs in the Spirit, and therefore we cannot blaspheme against the Spirit. And also, we are saved if we've trusted in the Lord Jesus as our Saviour. And once we are saved, the Bible is very clear that we cannot lose our salvation. So I don't want anyone going away this evening thinking that you can lose your salvation or you can blaspheme the Holy Spirit and that you will be uh, not forgiven for that because it's not something that we can do. There might be a time to come when the Lord reigns in his millennial kingdom again and there are those at the end of that millennial reign that go against him that have seen his works and seen his power that maybe that could happen again but it can't happen now while we're living in this period of grace. But these Pharisees, they'd basically written themselves off. They'd seen everything the Lord could do. They'd seen his power. They'd seen the spirit of God work and they'd attributed it to the devil. And that was it for them. There was no more chance. They'd had their chance to see 
what, could, what the Lord could do and that he truly was the Messiah. And they had rejected him, they had blasphemed against the Spirit and, and that was it for them now. They were going to be scattered. There was no turning back for them. And so then goes on to say, And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. And I think that bit there is in the age to come is referring to the millennial, at the end of the millennial period, where maybe people might uh, commit this again. And then we have this last little section, these last few verses, which uh, again carry on from what we've been looking at. He's still talking. To the Pharisee says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Now, um, we, we thought about uh, the tongue. I think it was Phil um, gave a message one Sunday morning from uh, James about the tongue. And we all know how, how our, our tongue can uh, affect us and how our words can catch us out. I read somewhere that apparently uh, we say between 25,000 and 30,000 words a day. Um, I think it's 25,000 for men and 30,000 for women, which sounds about right. Um, but we say a lot of words and there's a lot of things that come out of our mouths. But what we say and what we do, and I feel there's more of a practical element to this last part for us really than, than what's gone before, but we have to be careful what we say. Because the Pharisees had shown where their heart was by what they'd said. And that's what the Lord's getting at here, really. That where your heart is will, will be shown forth in your fruit. Like a tree, if it's a good tree, it will have good fruit. And if it's a bad tree, it will have bad fruit. It's clear to see that analogy, isn't it? You know that if the bad fruit is always coming from a tree, that it's probably not worth keeping it and cutting it down. But if there's good fruit, then it's a good tree. And if we... Our hearts are good and our hearts are, are, are looking to do good and, and to follow the Lord, then good things will come out of our mouths. But if we are constantly uh, saying bad things, if we're constantly putting others down, if we're constantly being uh, disregarding other people or maybe uh, not being kind, then that shows that our heart is maybe not in the right place. And... Um, this part is aimed at the Pharisees and it is saying that they're, they're evil. And obviously, as we've mentioned, as we're saved, we cannot uh, be evil anymore because we have the Holy Spirit within us. But the principle is still there that we can apply to our Christian lives. That if we are, are reading God's word and if we're close to the Lord and if we're really living for him, then that will come out in what we say and what we do. And will show forth that, that good fruit as we, we think of quite often. And I've... I think that's something that we can take away from this evening is that we don't want to be in any way like these Pharisees. We don't ever want to forget the power of God or forget the grace of God towards us and maybe just take tonight's passage as a, as a reminder 
of all that we are being saved from and how we should continue to live in the good of that and to act in the good of that and make sure that our, our words and our actions and the things we do show forth what it is that we truly believe deep down in our hearts.